Vengeance, man, for me, I loved it. I loved everything about it. <laughs> the comedy, I, there were certain parts where I died laughing. And it was all for good reason. Very well-toned comedy in that. And uh, all the tones in that one just jived very well for me. The hard theme tones, the comedic tones, all that shit didn't clash at all. Not once. And the tits and ass, I don't have a problem with that. Goddamn, I'm a red-blooded American man. <laughs> Why am I going to bitch about that? Who gives a fuck? They had a hot-ass makeout scene between two lesbos, and I'm going to bitch about that? No, not me. And every just seven or eight minutes, you either had some sex scenes or kills, and very good kills. There's a spinal fucking Mortal Kombat kill where a dude gets a spine ripped the fuck out of his goddamn neck. Like, ugh, that was awesome. <laughs> so who was that again that is mickey ross a youtuber he sent me uh -huh. that video he actually recognized my cameo in the film and messaged me about it and then we talked about vengeance and he sent me his vengeance review and that is a clip from that review oh awesome yes awesome i know how much so, you love feedback especially on your work so that <laughs> that was uh it, it was great feedback because uh because he's right mm -hmm. yeah I, he's right. What can I say? Um, it's it, it, it's funny because I want I wanted to uh, discuss with you for a moment okay. the particular kill that he brought up. Uh, <laughs> Joe Castro came on and and uh, we were in um, we had this like kind of a communal space uh, inside of the house that we were all staying at. And uh, he's in the middle of it, and he's putting together a. Uh, I, I'm looking through the schedule, and he and he's putting together uh, this thing that gets pulled out of uh, uh, the. It gets pulled out, you know, with the head, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and I kept looking in it, in it, and it looked. It was. It was. It was strange because I think everybody had kept telling him, you know. As what does it look like as the head comes out? And he kept, you know, oh, like it's going to be this, and there's going to be organs are going to come out, and blood, and this, and that, and the next thing. And I, and I was sitting there, and I'm, and, and I'm like, you know, you know, half attention is is one of my strengths. Yeah. When I'm reading something and just, you know, like half my attention is looking at him loading up the the ins and and part of the reason that it's one of my strengths is that when I have only half my attention on something, I'll build it in my head and, and there will be no um, filter mm -hmm. in between when I just jump up and go, no, no, man, you totally got this all screwed up. And so guess what I did? I stood up and said, Oh no, no, this is all screwed up. <laughs> 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 if, if anybody that knows me knows that that's likely to happen at any time. <laughs> and so I went, sip and I went, oh, dude, no, stop. There's, there's a rib. 
there's um, a spine over there. Mm-hmm. Go get that spine. Put in the longest piece of spine that you can, that you've got room for inside of the body cavity. And just put the spine and put slime over the spine so that when it comes out and, and, and let me tell you from my designer's view, what I was looking for, I was looking for something in, I didn't want it to be a string of like uh, organs or something that, that wasn't instantly definable. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted the spine so that it would be this definable thing because here's the thing. As he pulls his head out, it's almost a monster, isn't it? Yeah. All by itself. And that's what I, that's what I was looking for in it. <laughs> and Joe came over and went, wow, you know, that was really, uh, that was exactly what it needed. And I go, yeah, right. It's, it's, you know, there's design aspects and everything. And that's how that should have looked. And it looked exactly like it was supposed to look. So anyway, that's my story on that. That's, that's why it looked like that. Awesome. I was at the Vengeance premiere representing Gorn Moore and Rabbit Hole. Uh, Oh, cool. Yes. I got interviews with plenty of people. I think I did 13 or 14 interviews there over the course of my one day. I was at both premieres, and the crowd reaction to the film was awesome. Uh, it was something I'll like bet. I've, I've never I'd love to see it in a theater. That would be so awesome. <laughs> I never experienced something like that before. And the applause when Steve Dash was on screen, the reaction to kills, and then that ending. I'll tell you what, just the way the people were, it was it was incredible, man. And I can't thank the Vengeance crew enough for being so nice to me and so welcoming. I felt like family there, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they didn't know you. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't know you. They didn't know you enough to know. <laughs> no, it's it's uh yeah, it's 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 amazing to see to see your film with a bunch of fans, man, mm-hmm. uh, up on a screen. It's it's really intoxicating. <laughs> In the second premiere, this will make you uh, very happy. We had all the Dubak staff that were in the area come with us. So we had an mm-hmm. entire row of website staff and some of our friends and fans with us. And as soon as your name came on screen, everyone in the back just started screaming and clapping, Mixtron! <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just kind of was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Who's that? <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that, that, that's, that's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so uh, so you hung out with everybody and got to meet CJ, I take it? Yes, I met CJ before at Monster Mania earlier this year, and I vibed with him really well. And uh, Ruby actually wrote down the name of my podcast when we met. And then later I had CJ on my podcast. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yes. And then, yeah, Ru- hmm? Ruby's great, isn't she? She is. She's such a lovely person. and uh, she, actually, she really is. Just sweet as you can get. At Jason Fest, she actually stopped and talked to me alongside the road there for a while. We just talked about the movie and everything and the day. And uh, CJ was over talking to Fangoria. I actually have a picture of that. And uh, who also turned down our John Carl Buchler interview. Oh, did they? They did. Wow. I wonder why they would do that. I don't know. But anyway, anyway, uh, it was cool because Tom McLaughlin came up to me. And said, hey, mm-hmm. man, I really like your show, Gorenmore. It's like a great name. 
And he's like, how is that doing? And I told him our numbers and stuff. And he's like, that's incredible. He's like, you've done so much. And I was like, thank you. This, this means so much that you're saying this to me. And he's just like, no, thank you, man. He's like, and that interview was awesome because I interviewed him not too long ago and it went really well. Oh, good. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He really is. And then CJ <laughs> recognized me from just seeing me. Uh, he came up to me and thanked me for coming and doing all the stuff that I did there and just went over the night with me and everything and started talking about Elias and stuff. And it was really cool. Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah. So, uh, a great time was had by all and, uh, yeah. And, and I was, uh, it was, uh, more subdued at Rose city, uh, at Rose city comic con. Yeah. Talk about uh, that. Well, I was really tired and, and, you know, I was standing in there with a Jeremy uh, came by and uh, Ellie uh, uh, Dustin's girlfriend was there and uh, John Ravenholt was there, but I think uh, Jeremy was just really tired and, uh, and, and I was buzzing around and (laughs) I I went over and yelled at Robert for a while and uh, I, I yelled at Kevin Sorbo and uh uh you know just uh just kind of wandered around a little bit i gotta tell you i was so tired after being at um uh film quest mm-hmm. uh uh where i had to do my show uh yeah it was uh i was just too tired and and i think that th- then they had a big party at night uh and had vengeance playing on a loop in the background i was just out of it so no, I I have nothing good to report, uh, <laughs> other than uh, it, for me it was a blast seeing Robert. Oh, did you see the poster? Did you see the poster that that I had Robert sign? Oh, the vengeance one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yes. So he was. I have a question. Sure. Did you tell, did you tell stories? I told stories. I always tell stories. When do I not tell stories? Exactly. I, I, was just, I get up in the <laughs> I get up in the morning and start telling stories. Yes. And, and everybody around me doesn't want to hear them anymore. Oh come on! I love them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, my wife. You know, she she doesn't want to hear. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah. Other than that, you know, uh, I'm also getting ready to move to Tennessee. Uh, I'm moving there um, a week from Monday, mm-hmm. and there's nothing in this room. If you can hear hear the sonic difference in this room, oh yes, yeah, it it, it sounds like an echo chamber, and that's because it's an echo chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> even even I notice when when I laugh, I can hear the the it bounce around the room. I go ah, <laughs> so um, let's see what else, what else, what else. Uh, yeah, I uh, oh, I was I was going to tell you I did a uh, a review on um, Dream Warrior review. Uh, Kurt and I uh, reviewed Vengeance. Yes, and I think I think that we gave it a Kurt gave it a three point seven and I gave it a three point eight. Awesome, out of five. Is, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, out of five, four is the elite. You know, four and up is yeah. is kind of elite status. That's uh, to give you an idea of what I've done. That's over a four. Uh, is Young Frankenstein and uh, and Blazing Saddles, which are two of my you know 
bow down before him <laughs> films. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> those are, those are, are great films. Like star Wars is up like a 4.9 or a five, you know? Yeah. So, so pretty good. I think yeah, on my I, other podcast, Gore and Moore, we only uh, gave one film perfect score, and that was Lost Boys. Really? Yeah. God, I got to tell you something. Lost Boys to me is is uh, not aged well. Oh, okay. I think the look hasn't aged well to me. You know? Yeah, I understand that. But then I was actually alive in that period, so. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the 80s, 80s hair has not survived as well as 70s hair did. Yeah. You know? It, it, and, and even 90s hair looks better than, uh, you know. I, I mean, at the time, I think the, um, the heroin chic, they called it, in the, uh, in the early 90s. Uh-huh. Uh, looked uh very disturbing but doesn't but looks pretty good now whereas uh the big bouffant hair that everybody was wearing in the 80s does not age well at all yeah i just watched a film called uh they live okay uh and it it was like uh full of that 80s hair <laughs> it's just uh it's <laughs> How much hairspray did we go through in the 80s? Oh, my, my. gosh. <laughs> the most yeah. ever. It had to have been. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm i pretty sure that, you know, uh, we we uh, punched our own hole in the own zone uh, in, in, within 10 years. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Because that, that, that was one of the things that, uh, you know, the, the poisonous kind of hairspray with the uh, CFCs. Mm-hmm. uh as as the uh, spray component uh that was that that was the 80s right and, and uh we might as well have just you know reached up and punched a hole in the ozone just straight <laughs> <laughs> so Mick. so you did you do anything else this week ah uh, i got ready to move i uh that's it. You know what? That's that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm like uh, I'm like getting getting ready to move and get going. Uh, I've done a couple of interviews for um, for Vengeance. Yes, and I've been talking about Vengeance a lot. It seems um, thirty thousand views. I think. Oh, I think it's way beyond that. I think it was thirty thousand uh, yesterday morning. Let's see. Oh my! Oh, come on. Come on, catch up there, buddy. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look I, up I, right I, now on YouTube. Friday the 13th, Vengeance. We are at 47,000 views. Sorry. 47, oh, my gosh. 000. See, it's really picked up speed because it was yesterday morning. It was 30,000. Or no, yesterday afternoon. Oh, wait, no. That was, that's the trailer. Sorry. Vengeance is at oh. 32,000. Sorry. Is what? 32? 32. The trailer's at 47. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. And that's okay. 32 over one week. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess we're we're doing okay. Oh, yes. And, and I think that what we're going to do is we're going to pull it off of um, YouTube and Vimeo as soon as we put out the uh, the Blu-ray. Yeah. And then I'll go back in, back on after a while, you know, after we've sold a few. Awesome. So, yeah, I, I, I've talked to... Uh, I've sort of talked to uh, Jeremy, mm-hmm. and uh, 
he's i think that he's kind of uh hiding a little bit right now <laughs> yeah with, withdrawing himself from society withdrawing yes yes yeah. he's going through withdrawal uh yeah it's uh also i i think there's a certain extension there's a certain extent to where on such a wide release i don't think that he's had anything on it that has uh had such a wide release no. and um i don't think that he is as used to getting any negative because there are, have been some negative reviews as there always are yeah right and uh i think that he for a little bit might have been taking some of that personally yeah but, <laughs> and but, a, a lot of that has to do with uh we won't say names because we're professionals but with right. the, the toxic fandom that has formed around vengeance and some of those yeah. uh, th- those people that have interfered with it uh, are continuing that post-launch. So it's it's you know it weighs heavy on the mind, especially whenever you know make multiple attempts to bargain with these people and to try to rationalize things and make peace or unify things. They they end up just biting you in the ass and you just being used for something that you earned. Well, take it from somebody who did Nightmare on the Street three and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre three. <laughs> Fair enough. You can't you can't please everybody, and the people that you can't please when when you're standing out in, there in front of everybody like that, uh-huh. the people that you can't please can be very loud, and you just gotta, eh, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, just blow them a kiss over your ass. So speaking of Friday projects, I recently uh, announced that I signed on to a new project. Uh, I am running the social media. You said something about this. I love this. This is great. So I'm finally being used and giving an opportunity to prove myself. Be abused. To to, uh, pretty much be a shill, which I am the best at. I'm running social media marketing for Adam Marcus on his new film, Hearts of Darkness, uh, The Making of Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. That's cool. Very cool. And it'll yeah. be a documentary about everything behind the scenes of that film. Oh, that's awesome. That, that is just awesome. And we have the guy, so, uh, Peter Brackey, who did the Crystal Lake Memories on board to help as well. Oh, that's right. Okay, cool, cool. So uh, so you're going to get to the bottom of it, right? Jason going – now this is Jason Goes to Hell, right? Yes, part nine. Yeah, part nine. Um, go for it. That, 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 sounds, uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And like I've talked to Jeremy and stuff, and Jeremy wants to work with uh, the Dubak Network, you know, with his future projects and stuff. And like what I'm going to do over the next couple of months and over the next year is work on all these projects, you know, working on Adam with this film, working on you with the audio book and start getting myself better and more versed in the media side and also the podcast production and promotional side of things and kind of like refine my craft. That way, next time Jeremy uses me, uh, in a capacity of that such, it can be in, a, in an official role and I can really uh, push the the bounds of things and really help him get his product out there and his films out there. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, look, you know, you know, we're, we're all growing uh, old as a group. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm older. I'm older than all you people. What does that say? <laughs> and we all look up to you, Mick, and we all look up. That's, to you. that's disturbing. <laughs> that's disturbing. <laughs> I find that very disturbing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I had a couple of people that came up to me and, and were fanning uh, fanning out, which is a, it's a strange thing to me. You know, uh-huh. I'm uh, I I don't know really what to do about that except for uh, laugh at them because I laugh at everybody. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> I I laugh at me laughing at somebody else. Yeah, and, and and I'm pretty good at it because people can actually tell that I just think everything is funny. Okay. I I do, you know. I'm I, you might have noticed this, I'm not a very serious person. Not at times, but you are when it counts. <laughs> when, when it counts? <laughs> yes. Very serious. Very serious. Buckle down. Yes. Buckle down. <laughs> so perpetuating this conversation, I recently did two interviews with an actress and an actor, and I want to play Hollywood connection with you. I want to see okay. if you know them and if you've had any connections with them with projects. So the first one, on Wednesday, I interviewed Rusty Schwimmer. Rusty Schwimmer. Boy, that's a familiar name. She is the mother at the beginning of Twister. She is also Big Red in The Perfect Storm. Uh, okay. I don't know if I've worked with her. Okay. You know, actresses and actors, it's funny from my point of view, actors and actresses, um, actors, uh, let's say, uh, I, I, uh, I am only aware of them in this respect that, uh, they are can consistently getting in between the camera and everything I do for a living. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> did you like that? Yes. <laughs> didn't didn't expect that one, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've actually introduced my, uh, myself that way uh, to uh, even pretty famous actors. Yeah. Say, oh, you're the one that gets uh, in the way of my sets. <laughs> 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 oh, you know what? If it weren't for your head, uh, I would have seen that explosion. And it would have been beautiful. <laughs> that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> oh, those people. Right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so uh, that interview went really well. And I actually got her to recite some lines from uh, Jason Goes to Hell for that. Uh, oh, that's great. Yes. Yeah, so she was super into it and had a really good time. And she complimented me afterwards. You know, that always helps. And then. On Friday, I interviewed Michael B. Silver, who was on NYPD Blue for a while, if you've ever watched that show. Uh, I, I remember it vaguely. Uh, that was like one of the 80s. That was one of the first. That was the first of of the camera movement shows. OK, now explain that. Um, uh, the, the, the handheld documentary ish style. Okay. Of uh, of moving through a scene like uh and and using the using the camera to like go from one scene to the other uh, as opposed to editing. Okay. Uh, you, you know, like it, it, you're watching a scene over here, and then one character walks out of this scene, walks away from that scene, and you follow that character that then walks either past another scene that you then scope in on or or that he becomes a new scene right awesome. he starts and and that mixture of shots or, or that single shot look was nypd was brought in by nypd blue 
Okay. Now it's now it's it's yeah. And the funny thing about it is that then they they created it as a shot device, right? Yeah. Uh, then later on, it became a uh, uh, a a device in shows like. And I'm gonna throw an example out of The Office. The Office. Um, there was always a documentary crew, quote unquote, that was uh, interviewing them, right? Yes. And by that point, it hardly even needed to be explained. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And now we've gotten to the point to where we don't even think about it at all. You know? Yeah. And 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 yet, and yet, it's the basis of so many shows. That is true. That is yeah. very true. Isn't a wild thing? I mean, you know, it's like uh, up until, uh, you know, that idea, the idea that they had an NYPD blues and then moved to like the documentary style and and then now just became a camera style of like a a voyeuristic uh, extra person in the room, right? And you don't even think about it anymore. Uh, as a storytelling device, is, it to me has been really interesting. It's it's one of those things that has become uh, a part of the lexicon of our visual language that would be kind of difficult difficult to it, it you know if somebody completely came from another society and looked at what we were doing with that it would be very hard to explain because <laughs> we'd never see the camera crew uh, we assume that they're there right okay. So, so think about that. The, the all of that kind of uh, it, the office is such a great example of it because uh, I, I think that even the characters didn't seem very aware that there was a film crew there. Yeah. Other than in the first couple of episodes, and then after a while, well, we we just assume. And and and, and here's the funny thing about it is they. They even had like a part where somebody sits down and talks right at the camera, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That's 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 got to be part of a film crew. But how much did you even think about it being there or not? You you know that that was in that style, but you don't think about it being there or not. But that gives you a whole new range of shots that otherwise would have to be explained, and now they don't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I've been overanalyzing uh, things. <laughs> <laughs> so I got two more things left for us. Uh, would you like to do the nightmare or would you like to do the C movies first? Uh, what's the nightmare? I'm curious. I will read an excerpt from an article, which I will okay. state at the end. One of the biggest conversations in the horror community right now is the current state of the Friday the 13th franchise, which is trapped in a legal battle between two parties. It all started when Friday the 13th writer Victor Miller exercised a legal right that would revert the ownership of the story back to him. Director Sean Cunningham's Horror Incorporated, however, refutes this, and this is why we are where we are. With all of us focusing on Friday, I checked on the status of another iconic slasher, one who lays dormant in Springwood at Ohio. What I discovered is that Wes Craven's estate pulled a similar maneuver this year and regained the U.S. rights to both A Nightmare on Elm Street and its red-green sweater fedora-wearing green demon well, sorry, not green, dream demon, Freddy Krueger. Right. Long story short, the law is the writers can reclaim ownership of their work after 35 years, and 2019 marks 35 years since Elm Street was released. Like Victor Miller, Craven's estate, therefore able to legally reclaim ownership of the original film this year, which was, of course, written and directed by the late Wes Craven. 
The implications are unknown to me as I'm not a lawyer, but the good news is there appears to be no third party standing in the way of Craven's estate from making the deal for the franchise or the iconic slasher. In other words, there's no current legal battle over the rights allowing Craven's estate control over the franchise's future here in the States. From what I understand, WB slash New Line Cinema still controls international rights, much like Friday the 13th. Right. Um, that's super interesting. I really love that. And, and, but <laughs> it's funny. You're, you're, the way that you're drawing that parallel mm-hmm. is kind of interesting because I don't think that the uh, prospects for uh, – continued nightmare on Elm street are as strong as the prospects for a continued, uh, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th. Uh, and I I hate to say this is because, uh, Robert England is Freddie. Yes. You see what I'm saying is it is so difficult to create that creature without Robert. Uh, and part of the reason that uh, Friday the 13th are as popular as they are now as fan films is because it is, I, I, I don't want to say easy, but it, it is much easier to recreate um, the character of, uh, of Jason than it is Robert. Agreed. Um, yeah, it, it is to a certain extent, a guy in a mask and, uh, and the mask can be rubber and it's a, and it's a hockey mask. It's a guy in two masks is what it is. <laughs> Essentially. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's a guy in two masks. Uh, Jason Brooks was an amazing, uh, Jason, but at the same time, there is, uh, all kinds of room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. within the Jason world, whereas there is very little toleration of uh, of um, interpretation in in uh, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street world. Yeah. Very little. The, in the interpretation of the portrayal of Freddy, uh, which right. is very evident in the 2010 remake film that got shit on upon reception from fans. So. Right, and because it was terrible. Yes. But, <laughs> but it's a good question as to whether that film would stand alone mm-hmm. uh, because of the incredible cloud that Robert England uh, leaves over it. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? It isn't like – it. it isn't like – it isn't like there was a great deal of um, precedent yeah. for that. Because look at look at the monster in Frankenstein. The monster in Frankenstein has been be- portrayed, you, you know, between Bela Lugosi, uh, between Bela Lugosi and uh, oh, I can't think of his name, Boris Karloff, yes, and uh, Lon Chaney. Those three characters by themselves, all of which played one of the other roles at one time or another. Mm-hmm. Um. The thing, uh, none of that is is even equivalent to Freddy either. See what I'm saying? Because that a lot of what they did w- was 
was interchangeable, just like a lot of what Jason's doing, like Michael Myers, uh, like Leatherface. All of those have have uh, a certain uh, leather, uh, rubber-faced uh, mask kind of um, interchangeability that uh, will never happen with Nightmare on Elm Street. I completely it's, and totally agree. Because I think I, and and I also have to say this is if you look at the fans of a Nightmare on Elm Street and the fans of uh, uh, of Jason, you know, specific fandoms within the fandom range of horror films. If you're looking at the specific fandoms, there's a certain kind of um, there's a split. There's a there's a sort of get down and party feel to an awful lot of the Friday the 13th and certain kind of cerebral um, uh, questioning uh, of the mechanism of dreaming in, in the Freddy group. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sort of like the, just, just to put just the slightest kind of tinge of cliche, uh, uh, the, uh, the thinkers and the partiers. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah I, I i completely get that so um uh now that i've worked both sides of you know and i've worked a rubber mask thing before with uh, leatherface uh i i've also always thought that the that you know leatherface is going to be made again and again and again and again and jason is going to be made again and again and again and again see it even went off into the fan films yeah. you know uh robert Robert England is always going to be difficult. Yeah. And nowadays I would make, I'm proposing that the character in it, um, Pennywise, what's his name? The guy. Yeah. Pennywise. Uh, the new Pennywise is super creepy. Yes. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Bill Skarsgård. And he's making, he is making his own, um, He's making that character his own. Yes. You know, I, I I would hate to try and follow him. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think that it would be very, very difficult. Um, however, you, you know, the funny thing is, is, but if we look at the Joker for a minute, and this is me just stringing with consciousness here, let's look at the Joker, who is whoever can play the most evil person. <laughs> Next <laughs> gets to be the Joker. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, how do you feel about Jaquan Phoenix playing him? I am. I I want to see it so bad. Yeah, the reviews you know, look I, incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's it because you know what he's got. He's got a certain. You know, to me, there's something about. Um, a fragile bully mm-hmm. that's really scary because you don't know what a fragile bully will do. You know, mm-hmm. your regular dumb, you know, bully uh, is, uh, you know, driving around with his rebel flag in the back of his truck. And, and you know what that is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Uh, that's a certain thing, but it's a certain kind of stupid evil. But, the uh, unpredictable, unpredictable super evil of of the fragile uh, evil guy, uh, which Joaquin is, is, is you, you just get beat up so many times 
And then uh, eventually uh, you get beat up so many times and, and, and at a certain point, uh, killing small animals doesn't do it anymore for you. And you're up on the rooftop with Glock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the evil walking Felix, walking uh, uh, Phoenix, you know? Yes. So segueing from good actors to uh, adventurous actors, I had the chance to interview a trauma actress. Oh, really? Yes. So we're going to use that <laughs> as an excuse to talk about trauma films and C movies. <laughs> Can I tell you a story about a trauma film? Yes, <laughs> let it out. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think that you, I, we'll let this one out. Uh, so <laughs> they were filming in town. They were filming uh, uh, surf Nazis. Yes, right. And um, <laughs> and I had a friend who was uh, who was uh, working on the lighting crew, and they just beat that crew. To living shit you know they were like they were like one of those companies that uh that you, you signed a, a deal memo and this and the deal memo was uh for a day rate and there were 24 hours in a day right <laughs> <laughs> so this friend of mine he signs on with them and and uh he just beat the living crap out of him and finally i'm talking to him on the day and this is what he says. He says, I said, well, you know, how are you doing? He goes, oh, God, it's been so brutal. These people are just crazy. They they never stop filming. And, and, and I go, well, uh, you should be okay today. And he goes, yeah, yeah, today should be fine because the, the we're actually filming down at the uh, – we're down by the ocean. And he says – and eventually the, the – uh, the sun's going to go down and it'll be over and we can be done. Right. And so I call him up the afternoon, the day after, and I talked to him and he goes, Oh my God. He goes, I just woke up. I go, what do you mean? You just woke up. It's like five, six o'clock at night. He goes, uh, he says, dude, we are, <laughs> it is getting dark. It is getting dark. And we think that we are on the last shot. And we think we're on the last shot. And all of a sudden, there, there were these condors that they created at the very beginning of the eighties. There are these trucks that they created that, uh, that they were called, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of them. Uh, I think that the company's company's name was daylight. Okay. I mean, that was the name of the company. And the thing is, is it had these, uh, huge trucks that, uh, had these booms and the boom, the boom on the head of the boom was just nothing but lights. Oh my. Just, just like, like, like what it was is, is like two of those, uh, uh, football stadium, you know, rope yeah. power, those things, two of those together. Oh my. Right. On one boom. And they would just come up and he just, just, he, he said, just as I think I'm, I, he says, I'm not kidding. I was literally starting to throw my stuff in the car and three of these things <laughs> drive up and, and boom up and just lit the whole beat oh. <laughs> for daylight. And they ended up shooting all night. <laughs> oh God. That's crazy crazy so if you look at if you look at 
the uh, uh, scenes of them shooting during the day, uh, it's actually night when they're on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. That's cool. Yeah, there you go. You have any other experiences with uh, those types of films? Uh, not those particularly the trauma. Wait, types types of film? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's uh, that was uh, kind of one of the types of films that I made. But uh, but they were actually a little bit. Actually, I gotta say those they were a little bit lower budget than I was used to. You know? Yeah. Um. Uh. Even when I started and stuff, I I started in in some of the better you know uh, horror films and stuff. Uh Trauma was uh, considered even below us, even below porn stars. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, no, they really were. <laughs> it was pretty far down there. <laughs> oh, my. What, from what I understand is what they did like, like from the beginning was uh, buy the rights to a bunch of uh, uncopyrighted films and then put them out. Uh, as yeah. an attempt to have a larger library to uh, start you know, combating some of the other companies out there. Yeah, didn't they do a? Didn't they do like a lot of really truly obscure comic books? Like, uh, I think they. Did. Uh, I think that they did. I think that they started. I, I think that. Uh, uh, I think that the. What's the one with the uh, poisonous? Uh, okay, in the so poisonous Toxic spare. Avenger. Uh, they have the yeah, toxic. What was the story behind that one? Okay, it was the uh, Melvin the Mop Boy. He uh, gets, I think he falls out a window into a t- vat of toxic ooze, and he turns right. into a toxic Avenger. And then they did four movies of that, and then they decided to take that and develop it into a children's property. After already filling it full of sex, nudity, gore, uh, <laughs> killing ch- killing kids in in one scene. So they developed that for children in a television show called Toxic Crusaders and then had the people that made the Teenage Mutant Ninja Ninja Turtle toys make them a line of action figures. I think there was nine and then two accessory vehicles. I I know I know a lot about action figures. Don't question it. And okay, I'm not gonna, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I know nothing about them at all other than I bought them for my kids, you know. But there's this crazy thing that somehow Lloyd Kaufman took one of their most crazy franchises and made it for kids. And it somehow worked. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's, it's, oh my, it, it's cool though. Uh, I recently went back and watched a couple of those episodes and watched the toxic crusaders movie. And I showed my daughter it, and she ended up watching it because the animation style is very similar to the Ninja Turtles, uh, 80s cartoon and it was really cool and super entertaining and i mean yeah it was just yeah. to sell toys but yeah now are now did they put like a a message in it overall like uh trying to fight uh toxic waste yeah, and that essentially kind of thing? yeah yeah okay well that's good yeah <laughs> uh no i i just remember you know in in talking to my i just remember that you know when somebody when somebody would go work with trauma, it was uh, they didn't pay very much, and and they were uh, it was kind of like an in between gig, you know. Yeah. It's it's like the kind of gig that I could call somebody up and get them off of a trauma film in a heartbeat, just oh. by you know paying <laughs> them enough money to make their rent and stuff like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Mick, you know. 
Dog, don't tell me it's happened again. It's happened again. It is that time. It is oh my. time for us to crawl out of this rabbit hole. Oh my God. So uh, next week, yeah. let's just talk about next week. So uh, we're going to take, we're going to look back in. Um, oh, actually. Yeah. Next week, we're going to look back into uh, some of uh, my uh, dream warrior, uh, dream, uh, dream warrior, um, dream master. Uh, what am I trying to say? We're going to look back into some of my dream master tapes yes. and bring some of that forward continuing our uh interview clips and our discussion of them who much. shall who shall we uh bug this time jack shoulder oh yes jack shoulder jack shoulder is is cool and then we yes. can have a discussion about nightmare too after that well yeah I'll, also we can do a discussion just about the beginnings of a um, new line cinema absolutely that's okay and that's a lot of fun yeah okay well thank you everybody bye-bye